Welcome back to the History of Rock podcast. His name is Brandon. He's the DJ. His name is Shim. He's the rock star. Class is in session as Shim continues to try to get the song Looks Like We Made It out of his head. What did you just tell me as you uh, did your little bathroom break in between recording sessions here? I meant it, I, in my head, I sang it all the way through to the bridge. You know the really still funny thing? The one, oh, yeah, still see, the, the one. Still the one I run. If you, if you if you hadn't sang that part, I would not have remembered what the rest of the song was like. Dude, I know I can remember music pretty well, and I haven't because the, here's the thing that bugs me. This is the thing that I fucking hate it when you do this to me. Like, you're like still the one, and there's like still, still the like one I love. It. What? But because you went looks like we made it, and I'm, and because you said I stop there, and then we get on with the day. I'm like, what is the next line? And then the next line, it's and like, then look how, how far the, we've come. I know, from but then my brain it. goes to wait a minute, what's the chorus again? And now I'm I've got a challenge in my own head of like, can you remember it? It's been 20 years since you heard it. I'm so happy. And now, thank you for that. That's where I went while we were okay. So anyway, but now let's get to some good stuff. Link biscuit. It looks like we did make it to significant to <laughs> other. So this was yep. Huge hit of an album. It sold at least 16 million copies worldwide. Uh, and now, of course, everybody wants to act like they didn't fucking own a copy of it. Or they want to act like Limp Bizkit wasn't the biggest thing on the fucking planet for a brief time in the late 90s. No, everyone acts like it was. But it's it's sort of like the, the fucking bastard cousin that comes over once every 10 years when he gets out of jail. And we're like, no, we don't. He's not related to us. Well, and there's that's a what lot, significant other is to most people's records. And there's collection. a lot to be said too that the, this the sheer name Limp Biscuit would be one of the reasons why it became such a punchline because it's a goofy ass name, you know. Mm. No, but it's it was okay because they spelt it wrong. I just love that Lincoln Park got lopped in with it because they also put a N K instead of as they they changed the way that it was. Ooh. That's what I always thought Here was hilarious. Do you know what Linkin Park's original name was supposed to be? Oh, I've, no, I forget. It was Hybrid Theory, the name of their first album. Oh, that's right. That's but right. Then, and they, they went with Linkin Park because they were like, we wanted something that everybody could relate to. And every fucking city in the United States has a Linkin Park. That is true. That's good. Nailed Hybrid it. Theory is a good name for a band, though, isn't it? That's a good album. That's a, that's a so we're going to have to cover them. So anyway, 10. so what I was going to mention your first items to <laughs> yeah. cover is so after Limp Bizkit, uh, so this episode we're doing Significant Other, which I totally forgot to change the fucking picture up here. So I don't know why I'm commenting now because I'll do it in post-production. I was going to say, you're not going to stop the podcast, are you? We're no, fuck rolling, it. We're just going to power rolling, ahead. Rolling, yeah, I'll rolling, keep rolling, rolling, baby. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Um, Come on! So when I'm pointing at it, it should be the right one, but I guess we'll figure that out later. So anyway, so we're going to go from Limp Bizkit. We'll go uh, Significant Other to Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. From there, we're going to cover OzFest. From there to Corn to Family Values. And then we'll cap By all the way, Family Values off and how I ended up in a panic attack and ended up in the hospital again. And we will also uh, cap it off by the person who explained to me what hot dog, chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water was my school guidance counselor. We'll talk about that at the <laughs> end as well. <laughs> All right. Well, we're covering Limp Bizkit here. You've got the main members. You've got Fred Durst on lead vocals, John Otto on drums, Sam Rivers on the backing vocals, Wes Borland on guitar, uh, or Sam Rivers on bass, Wes Borland on guitar, and DJ Lethal on the ones and twos. Ooh, little DJ Lethal. Album release date, July, uh, June 22nd, 1999, and you had the singles, uh, obviously Nookie, that was the that was this track of the summer in 1999, man, it was crazy, and then from there it was rearranged, and together now, and then break stuff. 
Yeah, so after this, this album, th- this album took over the world that whole year by far, by far the biggest album in the world. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you think, like, because it went from there, and then it, like that was the theme song for the whole summer, and then of course it was capped off with that whole Woodstock '99. So mm-hmm. after the success of Three Dollar Bill, y'all, uh, the band quickly jumped into the studio to prove that they weren't a corn sound-alike or a cover band. Is that what everyone? I can understand why they had to prove they were a, a, not a cover band. The people thought they were corn sound alike. They didn't sound anything like corn. Well, I think it was more like because they toured with corn and it was just like a, not necessarily a sound alike, but maybe more of a knockoff. Mm-hmm. They recruited Terry Date to produce the album. Date has worked with Pantera, Corn, Slipknot, Deftones, Soundgarden, Incubus, and the Smashing Pumpkins. God damn. And it was a notable shift. I remember I heard Nookie. And I'm like, I like this. Got the record. I was like, I like this. And there's like, oh, did you know they have an album from before? And I heard at someone's house a track off $3 Bill. And I was like, yeah, this is shit. Just because the production was significantly worse. So it was a notice. I think that the production on the record made a huge difference to the bands blowing up that well. well that, and that, that's like if, that's like Corn. I mean, if you go back and listen to their first album, like the, the production yeah. quality of that was yeah. not the best. It's a great album. But when you mm. get to follow the leader, it's like, oh, all this shit's been finely tuned. And you can tell they're in a yeah. more professional studio than they were before. So yeah. when it came to this album, Fred Durst and DJ Lethal, they wanted to include more of kind of their hip hop roots, the aspects of that and the new album. That led them to bringing in Method Man for the song in Together. The original name of that song was Shut the Fuck Up. And I Because you know that that's repeated can... consistently in the song. Yeah. And most people can probably remember all of the lyrics to that whole song. I can probably, if you put it on, I'll know all the lyrics. Oh, and I'll be able to roll with it. And there's uh, a part when we get to that Napster tour, which I think is going to be in the next episode. So Method Man wasn't touring with them. So Fred would ask out in the crowd, who knows Method Man's part of In Together now? So you can come up here and sing it. Right. And I've seen that happen, I think, once live. And that was when. Avenged Sevenfold was on stage, and they were going to play Pantera's Walk, and right. they said, and, and they said flat out, "Hey, we don't want like we don't just need somebody up here coming going, respect, yeah, well, like you we need to know the full, yeah, you need to know the full lyrics to the song." And the person they brought yeah. up there fucking nailed, like the dude did an amazing, yeah. Fucking well, job. that's the thing, people who people who know how to do screamo in like up and coming bands. They they're they got passion. Like you gotta work to be able to get that sound in your voice. So the chances that you're gonna put the time in to get the tone and the sound out of your voice and not know the songs, like you're gonna know Pantera. You're gonna know that shit. So other collaborations from the album, which was one of the things that made it a fantastic album, was STP Scott Wyland and Corn's Jonathan Davis for Nobody Like You, Stain's Aaron Lewis for No Sex, plus interludes with Matt Pinfield and Les Claypool for Acting Like a Fool. Uh, more on these in a moment. Yeah, so there, there was also a song, it ended up getting leaked online, it was with Eminem. I have I have to interject. I got to stop you. I was just thinking this is the funniest story that I have. The one time that I met Fred Durst. Okay, so check this out. Yeah. All right, hold on. Yeah. I was at the Greek theater. We went to see Stained. Stained was I think I forget who else was playing. And Aaron, if you're watching, Aaron Lewis and me go way back. I one of the most humbling experiences that I ever had was when he said that he liked my music. So whenever we would do shows together, we'd hang out. 
And so we're hanging out and he's like, hey, you know, Fred's supposed to be here. And I was like, dude, if, oh man, if you could introduce me, it'd be huge. So he goes and introduces me to Fred and Fred is very preoccupied. He's like, hey man. And then he doesn't even really look at me again. And we're talking about something to be like, we're talking about the lyric that is insignificant other where he says, stained a brand new drug for your brain. And I went to Fred and I'm like, hey man, just want to say big fan, been listening to you for ages. You know, I heard about stained from you like the reason that i heard about it was because you put it in your song and fred was like i did and i was like yeah and even aaron looked at me like like just a moment of awkwardness like no nah, he just give him a second he'll remember because it's a big deal for aaron you know so and aaron looks he was like yeah remember and both of us at the same time literally look at fred and we're like stained a brand new drug for your vein like remember coke's coke and he goes oh yeah and then he just tr fucking tr just trails off to the next part of the conversation, like fucking whatever. Ah. That's how little he gives a fuck. But I remember that was the best moment for me to be like, one, that's my injection with Fred Durst. Two, I'm standing next to Aaron and both of us are like, remember when you Stain was nothing and you put us in your song like brand new drug for you, man. Fucking well, he's Aaron. The that, he's the one that signed him. Exactly. But my point is, is that Aaron has always paid tribute to Fred and said, Fred's the reason Stained exists. Fred blew us up. He got us to where we are. And he put us in the song. And most people remember they heard about Stained for the first time from hearing in a fucking Limp Bizkit song. So and I was right there saying it to Fred. He didn't even fucking remember. And even Aaron had to go back to fanboy days and be like, remember? Brand new joke for you, fam. You put me in your song, man. It was fucking awesome. It was a dope moment. So in that moment, would you say that you were on the outside looking in? Oh, had to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I've been sitting no, on no, this. I really, you know I've what been I felt sitting like, on that since you started like the it story. Had been a long, it had been a long time coming and the, the tables turned around. <laughs> did you feel like the odd one in that moment? I really did feel like me and Aaron were the odd ones. But hey, it's going to be okay. Right. Let's keep moving. All right. So, okay. So there was a song. It was recorded with Eminem. It was called Turn Me Loose. But it was not on the album. <laughs> Uh oh, Shim's sorry. dying. I'm sorry. All right, buddy. I'm sorry. I, I, I missed the cough button. Keep going. Turn <laughs> me loose with Eminem. Uh, it didn't make it on the album. I have tried to find out why. Now, one of the things that we will get to in the next episode when we're talking about chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water is the beef between Limp Bizkit and Eminem and why all of that went down because they were pretty close. They toured together. They did the anchor management tour together. But for some reason, this song did not make the album. I have not been able to find out the exact reason why the only thing i've ever been able to look up and find is it was recorded it just wasn't on the album so if anybody out there who's listening to this if you know the reason why or you've been able to like don't just t comment like yeah it was this link a source like let us know yeah. you know where you got this information as to why the song turn me loose did not make it and it's an all right song and it's got some lyrics that ended up i think on a later eminem track um, okay, I was gonna say, have you heard the song? I, yeah. I gotta look it's the song YouTube. up. It's now. on YouTube. It, it, yeah, it's not that great. It's okay. I mean, maybe that's okay. why it wasn't on the song or on the album. <laughs> it might just be that, like, I mean, I can imagine the beef might have come up if if Fred was like, yeah, M came into the studio and did a subpar song, and we couldn't put it on the record because he couldn't perform that day. And nah. M's like, fuck you, Fred, you can't perform every day. Now we got beef. Nah. Um, no, no. Anyway, going no, back. Okay, so do you know the the whole beef thing? A little tease here when we get to it. Do you know what was at the middle of the entire beef? With Eminem? Yeah, between Limp Bizkit and Eminem. No. Everlast. I've got no idea. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, we'll this get to that. So if you don't know, if you're not familiar, like Everlast, like the boxing equipment, no, Everlast, the singer yeah. who was the lead yeah. singer of House of Pain, which DJ yeah. Lethal was a member of House of Pain. That's that's so at the center of the whole together. fucking thing. But anyway, so here we go. We'll get, we're moving on. We'll get we'll get we'll come back to that part. There was an early version of the song I'm Broke that was intended to be on three dollar bill, y'all, but was left off because it didn't sound enough like the rest of the album. And I I mean, I, I'm inclined to agree. I was going to say that wouldn't have worked on the first record. No, it, the it fits make. really well with Significant Other. Now, the melody for the song Trust, that originated from a melody that they would play live during the Ladies' Night in Cambodia tour in early 1998. Like, there was a lot of claims that the lyrics on $3 Bill Y'all were misogynistic. No, really? Because of this, Durst toned down his lyrical content. That's funny. And he described Significant Other as more mature. The funny thing is, it was more mature comparatively. Yeah, but when you're but talking you, about your lead track is, I did it all for the nookie, the what? The yeah. nookie? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and then 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 you mature even further onto Chocolate Starfish, where the first song is, if I say fuck one more time, that's 46, 46 fucks in this fucked, fucked up, up rhyme. rhyme. Yeah. Yeah, like you, like you start the album with like, fuck this, fuck that. Where blah, he's, blah, like, the whole, yeah, you know that's the whole song is him attacking Trent Reznor, right? Yeah, because he rips you off Trent Reznor's melody. Fuck me like fuck an me animal. Like yeah, an... so we'll yeah. get to that one next episode. So the songs, yeah. <laughs> Nookie and Rearranged, they were inspired by Durst's breakup with his girlfriend. Not all that shocking. The music video, though, for Rearranged, that was a direct response to the band being blamed for Woodstock 99's riots. It depicts the band getting death sentences and eventually drowning in milk in front of angry witnesses. I don't remember the drowning in milk. Is that when the, the, kinda, the, the, yeah. the walls flooded? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great fucking video clip, dude. I remember that clip was... Dude, that band was everywhere. The track Don't Go Off Wandering originally had Serge Tanky and Sister Vimmer down. Big fan, Serge. But his vocals only appeared on the demo version of the song where he sang the bridge. I didn't know, man. They tried to pull in everyone for this record, man. I mean, it's kind of the who's who of the... the yeah. See, and I hate saying new metal because I... I struggle with the term new metal every now and then because... I mean, I kind of get the merging of the rap and rock, and one of the main aspects is having a lead singer who raps, I guess. Another telltale thing for me was always, did you have a DJ? I mean, if you had a DJ, then absolutely 100% you were a new metal band, but then that means Incubus is a new metal band. Well, Incubus was a new metal band on Science. so That's some new metal shit. I mean, even even if you want to go to Make Yourself... um, yeah, bit. half of Make Yourself was definitely new metal. But yeah, I mean, look. And I just, I, I don't know, end, like, I, I have a big, which is weird, because when we talked, when we discussed grunge, and we talked about how grunge wasn't a particular sound, it was just, this is what came out of the Seattle scene in the early 90s, yeah. and it was more of just a way to lump them all together. Alice in Chains didn't necessarily sound like Soundgarden or Nirvana or Pearl Jam, or, they all yeah. had their very own distinct sounds. So it wasn't necessarily a genre of music. It was just a way to label what was happening. It was a way to label yeah. a fad. And that's why a lot of bands after 2001 were like, we're not new metal. Just because yeah. we don't have a we don't have a DJ. Like, yeah. But you do have like ream, scream, rappy stuff. I'm like, like, and then Deftones, every- I know that I think Chino was very pretty adamant yeah. that they, they separated themselves from new metal. Godsmack yeah, as well. Dude. Whatever, dude. Whatever. Look, Godsmack- I love... Look, I love the Deftones. I just, I've not heard good stories about them, and it really sucks. I really hope that they're not true. Like, I would love to meet Chino, and I would like, because I, I love the Deftones. I think they're amazing. 
But a lot of the stories that I've heard about them are not are not the best. Like canceling meet and greets at the last fucking minute for no reason. Um. Well, they're they're Deftones, but we'll yeah. see. We'll yeah. find out. Let's when we get to the Deftones, we're gonna do that. But going back to Limp Bizkit, Matt so Pinfield Matt Pinfield. Said- are you familiar with Matt Pinfield? No. He was on MTV, man. That guy was the shit. So uh, he had a he was on the track that's called Radio Sucks, and it's basically him. It was a, a, you know an interlude where he's just railing on all of the fake bands that were being produced at that point with Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and Britney Spears and how there's like manufacturing music by taking um, like the artists aren't writing the songs. They're not writing their own music. They have a, um, a whole library of different artists that are providing all of that stuff. And then it's just these dudes who are singing it and he just, he's railing on that. It's a really funny track. So if that's, that's right. one of those things that you might want to check out. Lake Les Claypool for acting like a fool of Primus was originally brought in to do an intro for the album. Imagine if that that would have been amazing to have a little South Park style intro for Significant Other. I'm going down it South Park, I'm track- have myself a time. <laughs> and it ended up on the track The Mind of Les. Les stated, I came in and they wanted me to write some sort of intro for the record. I got stoned and got in front of the mic and started babbling, and they ended up not using the intro and using that instead. So what? what is the intro for... I had to find the, it. I don't remember this being okay. on the album because I've listened to this album front to back, and yeah. I do not remember exactly where this ended up. You can find it, and it's fucking hilarious. It's where, on, where You can find it? it on YouTube. Just look up The Mind of Less, and it is... Okay. It's hilarious. Like it's totally <laughs> worth checking out, man. Like okay. it's it's it is uh, uh, prime less. Not no no pun intended for primus, but it's prime less Claypool. Is it one of those things where you had to put the CD on, play from the first track, and then rewind? It might have been. I'm not 100 percent sure. And if it was, I never did that. Dude, I remember when I heard that you could do that. I was like, we have to have a secret track at the beginning of the first. Because you don't have an album if you don't have a secret track. From 2000 to 2006, if you don't have a secret track, you're shit. Yeah. Let's be real. Well, yeah, like, and, that, and it was always a pain are... in the ass, too, because especially if you had a CD player that did not fast forward quickly, yeah. you're just sitting you there fucked. holding that goddamn button, just... and you're just watching yeah. the counter click until you get to listen yeah, to I your that. API I spent many an afternoon, many an afternoon doing that. <laughs> so the album soared to number one on the Billboard 200, selling almost 645,000 copies in its first week. It sold another 335,000 copies in its second week, almost immediately going platinum. Awesome, dude. Okay, so now let's get into the meat 100%, and potatoes. 100%. To promote, to promote Limp Biscuit, went to Boston, Chicago, and Detroit to play some free shows that were technically illegal. MTV followed them in Boston to get the behind-the-scenes footage. So the beginning, interesting. the beginning of the MTV story shows them planning everything, including the band's getaway. So it's got the band and their manager and some of the other guys that are involved, and they've drawn out. These are the buildings. This is where you guys are going to be performing. Here are windows. We expect if the cops come here, they're going to come from this direction. So this is where you guys can bolt. And it was, it's, it's. I remember watching this when... It first came out on MTV, and I was like, wow, those guys are so cool. Like, they're running from the police. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's no way that, that that's exactly the reaction they were trying to get. Yeah. See, it's one thing if you're like Slayer, and you're like, we're going to fucking do this, and the cops come up, and it's like, what? Arrest me. Fuck you. 
because they don't get but when it's so planned and premeditated it's like they're coming we're gonna film the getaway make sure you actually get away because we want to get it on camera and then we're gonna and then mtv is gonna put it like that shit is it's perfect it's wonderful it's great fucking business the band's manager pete peter katsis is doing most of the planning and he's known as a great band manager some notes on katsis Katz's first managed ministry. A 2002 article in Vanity Fair said he was the best manager in the music business, period. He helped produce the only concert by an American rock band in Castro-era Cuba with Audio Slave. And I do remember seeing that. That's pretty dope. So he managed Audio Slave as well. He, yeah, the dude has the resume. And it's funny because he's the one that that is kind of going through a lot of the planning at the very beginning. And he's the, he makes the comment. He's like, look... He mentioned some other guy. He goes, we're going to give up that guy or me first. We're not giving up the band. If the cops need somebody, if they feel they need to take somebody away, we're giving ourselves up first. Again, how much of that is legit? It's anybody's guess because it's on yeah. MTV. But, but the- I'm sorry, but it, let's just be real. For Let's just take a side note for 10 seconds. The reality of what probably fucking happened. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cops come, hand over money, say, thank you very much. We'll stop now. End of story. Film well, band getting away, no one gets taken away. Any manager who is as good as that that says that stuff, he's got five grand in his pocket that's like, okay, we're stopping. We got what we need on camera. Here you go. Here's some cash. Fuck off. Good to go. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Well, we'll no get one's to, going to fucking jail. We'll get to what they they claimed they did here in, in just a couple of minutes to kind of keep the cops at bay. But the goal of the guerrilla shows was that Durst would call the radio stations in town giving clues to the concert's location. So it's got Fred Durst kind of going around, and I remember one of them was Think think Popcorn and, and something else. So there's a lot of people who were like, oh, Fenway, like it's food that you would get, or uh, popcorn and hot dogs. So it was like, yeah. oh, so then it's got to be near Fenway. And then one of the other clues is it's within a five-mile radius of Fenway Park in Boston. Right. And so they had Mistress Carrie from WAAF, which, rest in peace, awesome rock radio station WAAF and uh, Mistress Carrie who is like a legend in the rock radio world when they had her on camera she's like that's pretty much all of downtown Boston is <laughs> within a five mile radius <laughs> yeah and, like that was not a good that was not a good hint um, right but I think I and so it was essentially you had the two stations uh, it was WAAF and WBCN those were the two big ones I was always very familiar with WAAF um there was a buddy of mine that went to radio school with me. He produced a show for a guy that came over from WAAF. His name was Rocco. Rocco was a dick. <laughs> like, he was not a, a good guy. He was the one who, he he got busted for giving the giveaways to his friends rather than actually doing it on the air. Um, right. And then, I guess, some, there was at one point where... Uh, my buddy was looking to leave and Rocco's friend had a weed plant and they're like banging the weed plant on my buddy to make him smell like marijuana, which at the time was illegal. And my buddy's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, Rocco, not by the way, rest in peace. Rocco passed away in like 2012, but, uh, speaking ill of him and he's fucking dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, take away the reality. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's a dick. Look, if I'm a dick and I'm dead, you can call me a dick. Like it's not the end of the world. No, it's not the end of the world. It's just not... Okay, moving on. Oh, what? Um, what? <laughs> what? 
No, I What's just your... think it goes against the brew. Here's you know what the truth is? It goes against the real Brandalorian. You're very meditative, like positive vibes, and then to be like, yeah, I remember this guy was a dick, but he's fucking dead now. But those that are just the goes only... against okay, what well, I'm look. used to hearing you fucking say, man. Well, okay, so but those are the only stories I have of the guy. Like, like seriously, the only th- well, no, take it back. Because he did come play poker at my parents' house one time. Like we would throw poker games. Right. You know, my, we had you know, my dad would have like twenty something guys over, and he did come over play, and he was a pretty cool dude in that moment. But everything else I heard about the guy, um, mm. like there was they, they they nicknamed him Rocco the Ball Washer on WAAF <laughs> after the fact because I guess when he left WAAF wasn't all that good, and so anyway, I'm I'm digging myself a bigger hole here because another thing I was, was going to say, yeah, but, what so, I was going to get to was when it came to WAAF is the fact that I applied there when I was working in Florida. And I was working for the college radio station. I had applied at WAAF for a position, and I was super excited because they reached back out to me. And the guy, unfortunately, the guy was like, "I'm, I'm already pretty far along with somebody for this position." So he's like, "And you would have been perfect, like if you had just oh. sent us your demo and your resume a month before, you could have, you probably could become working here in Boston." And I was, I was, I remember, I was so pissed. I was so upset that I missed that opportunity because you know how people will go get an honorary degree from a college for something that they've done. Mm. I if yeah. I could, and I know that WAF technically doesn't really exist anymore, but it exists in our right. hearts. And I know that. Right. For, well, and I know that for Don and Darlene too. I mean, they were the you know that, that was the radio station that's in Boston. And mm. if I could, if if anybody could name me an honorary DJ for WAAF, yeah. that would make yeah. my fucking day. Like, that wow. would be the highlight for me is just to be considered an honorary DJ for WAAF. And now I apologize for speaking ill of Rocco. Okay. <laughs> so going back into what we're to go, but going back to the biscuit, WBCN would end up, yeah, WBCN would end up revealing the location of the concert earlier than they were supposed to. So they could scoop WAAF. Someone saw where they were setting up and leaked it to the radio station. So now it's getting interesting. Yeah, because they had a scene where they're in the car and all of a sudden Katsis, the manager, he's like, I got to call AAF. <laughs> and they're like, why? He goes, because BCN just gave away the location. And they had on yeah. uh, BCN. And as they were listening to it, I don't know if somebody had seen it or if it was near the station. But they were like, it's obvious where they're fucking setting up because, mm. I mean, if you're there. Um, because there's a lot of fucking equipment and everything that's coming in and they're they're putting it up on this rooftop. So BCN was like, hey, this is the spot because the whole point was nobody really knew where it was. They would give away these secret clues on the air. People would figure it out. Then the fans would show up. Limp Bizkit would perform. Cops would show up. Limp Bizkit would get the fuck out was essentially really what it was. So when the cops did show up, the crew claimed that they would do a thing called the old rope-a-dope, which is basically when they would come up and ask them, where's your permits? To, to, right. to, to have this kind of a gathering, they would always lead with, well, we were only expecting like 50 people or we were mm. only expecting this, blah, 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 blah. But the permits, uh, that guy's got it. And then that guy would be like, well, no, that guy's got it. And so they yeah, were, yeah, it was yeah. just it, somebody else had the permit. Nobody had it. There was yeah. no permit. Yeah. Some They yeah, would just yeah. kind of send them around. Somebody else would have it. Excellent. So now coming up next, we're going to dive into chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. As well as the Napster tour, back to basics tour. That's what it was called. Like they titled it, was called it the, the back, back to basics, basics tour. tour. Yeah. Okay. 
So, and that was with Cypress Hill. So, look at this. We we wrapped up the episode within a half an hour, which is what we've been trying to do this entire goddamn time. So, we're not Lovely. rambling anymore. So, coming up, that's what we're going to do. And then just as a, a heads up to anybody else, if you guys want merchandise, by the way, I went and had a, a hangout with some of the folks here in El Paso last Friday. It was great. Um, Much love to Nightmare. I'm sorry I missed it, Nightmare. I'll try to be at the next one. He's in Australia. Like the fuck are you going to do? Hop just, on a flight? Just trying to be nice. You'll be here next year, and then when we do yeah. that thing before Rage Against the Machine, it's going to be great. Uh, but not yeah, Nightmare showed up. Uh, my buddy Twitchy showed up, who we play uh, video games with. Ortiz, another guy that watches the video games, he showed up, and uh, I had a bunch of the merchandise. So if you want to purchase any of the merchandise, you can do so at vivalamoca.com. There's a real Brandalorian tab right there on the top where you can go check out the uh, Cross-Eyed Bear shirt, a Brandalorian shirt, or a History of Rock shirt as well and we also have stickers of all that stuff too in case you guys want any of that make sure you check out our socials if there's anything we said that was wrong if you want to argue with us if you think that we said Please. something very poignant and you'd be like hey we appreciate what you said uh, you guys can do that if you're here on YouTube. You can do that down in the comments, please. That would be much appreciated. If you're over on Apple, Google, Spotify, hop on over to our YouTube channels and uh, help us out over there. So on that note, we can wrap this up and get into the encore, right? Hey, thank you very much. His name is Brandon. He's the DJ. His name is Shim. He's the rock star. Class dismissed. Yeah. Encore. Interpretive dance for the thing that you were saying. Interpretive dance. Oh, what was I going to say? It feels good to get that in in a half an hour. Yeah, it feels like nice. That's what she said. Like I don't feel so bad uh, having people listen to only, like I feel bad when people see an episode pop up and it's like, oh, 50 minutes. Fuck. What are these guys talking about? But when they see that, they're like, <laughs> oh, this is not so bad. Now, of course, if this, this encore, the, encore, goes you've got a really minutes. you've got a very strange self-evaluation system. Oh, you know, they, it could be that they're like, hey, history of rock. Awesome. It's 50 minutes instead of 30. And then, no, well, instead they're like negative. And I know, yeah, I know. Like people told me, they're like, yeah, I prefer it when it's a longer episode because we like listening mm. to you guys. I, I don't know. I, it's it, it's just the it's the way my mind works. Like yeah. I'm confident in what I do. You know what but... I think it is. I know. I I just figured it out. And this is I don't know if you want to put this on the encore because it's gonna be a mind fuck. fuck. You're confident in what you do, but you don't sound confident in who you are. Yeah, I would say that's a pretty good assessment. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's I think it's probably the, the, something that I'm struggling with um, quite frequently. Actually, like I know my yeah. work ethic, I know I'm good, but then I always I always stop and think I'm like, why? Like this is why I always had why? a problem with um, picking up on girls who were attracted to me because I would in, were... in the back of my mind I would never think like, oh, like she's hitting on me or oh, like she thinks that I'm attracted or something. My mind would yeah. never go there. Never yeah. fucking went there. Like it happened, we were at a bar one time. I was with my wife and I'm just standing at the bar and this girl comes up and she's like standing right fucking next to me and she's like starts talking to me and I'm like, yeah, I'm getting a beer. And then she's still fucking standing there and I'm like, yeah. so my wife finally gets up and like, she doesn't pull me aside, but she's like, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, nothing. Yeah. And so my wife finally pulls me in and she goes, dude, that girl was hitting on you. And I'm like, no, she yeah. wasn't. And she's like, yeah, yeah. she was. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't want you to like, that shouldn't but be anything. Why would you say I'm sorry? You didn't do anything. Well, because like maybe like picking up on it and understanding like, Hey, this girl's maybe standing a little bit too close or like, I don't know. It's just like, 
I don't know. I don't want my wife to have to worry about shit like that. She shouldn't be concerned. <clears throat> that's with anything. fair enough. You know, like that's, no, I can that's understand not that. some, that's not something that she needs to ever really be concerned with. And yeah, it just it does not sink into my fucking brain. Oh, fuck it. Same thing. I happened. think that's. I think it's better. Isn't it better? Like, okay, here's how fucked up. Here, here's how stupid men are, ladies. My logic says, wouldn't you want a man that goes to the bar, gets hit on by a woman, and just doesn't register it? And yet still, <laughs> you have to go, oh, I'm sorry that I didn't realize that someone else might find me attractive. It'd be different if you were getting your beer. And let's say, for example, a girl walks over. She says, hey, blah, blah, blah. And for, you, let's say, for example, you start talking about the different beers that are on tap. And you're like, yeah, I just tried this one. Haven't tried that one. It's new from the blah, blah, blah. Now you're talking. If it was a guy that came over and said, hey, what do you think about this beer? No problem. If it was a girl, if you're oblivious and she's literally talking to you about a subject that you're interested in and you're like, oh, yeah, no, the beers here are really good. I got this one and that one. Now you've engaged. Now you've got a. now that's when you should be like, oh, I should wonder if this chick's hitting on me. But you didn't even engage. You were like, nah, nah I'm just going to wait for my yeah, beer. No, she's a bit close. She's yeah, a weirdo. No, she, she, like, she, <laughs> she, she walked up and she was like, what are you getting? I was like, a beer. Right. And that's I it. would probably clock into that though, dude. If I was there, if there was some woman that came up and literally was like, what are you getting? And I'd never met her. I'd be like, oh, I'd probably be like, oh. It, and then for I just some reason, like, in, like, now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, you're a fucking idiot, Brandon. <laughs> like, how do you not? Yeah, that is. It? Well, because, it, and there was another time I was out having a drink with my buddy and his, it was, uh, I'm sitting here, he's in the middle and his wife is on the right. We're at the bar and this girl comes up again, really fucking close. And she just starts mm. talking to me. I don't even remember what the fuck she said. I know she was wasted. And yeah. she's and she's sitting there talking to me. And I was in the middle of a conversation with with my buddy. And I got I didn't get pissed, but I I I didn't shoo her away, but I certainly didn't engage. <coughs> and so right. when the girl finally gets up and leaves, my buddy's wife leans around and she goes, What are you doing, man? She was hitting on you. Right. And I'm like, no. I'm like, she's this is just, when you're with Myra or this is when no, you're single. Yeah. This is when I was single. This was back oh, in yeah, Florida. That's, that's embarrassing. And, and I'm like, yeah. no, I go, she was just drunk. And she goes, yeah. yeah, drunk and hitting on you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So first of all, but for me, it's like, okay, so I'm really iffy when it like yeah. drunk girls See, and what's okay and what's not okay. I would rather just fucking tap out and not even be fucking involved. But even yeah. then she, she's like, yeah, she goes, at least for like me and any of my friends, if we walk up to a guy that we don't know and we get that close, we have intentions. Yeah. And in the back of my and brain, you know I'm like, oh, fuck, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. it's This is the thing that I realized, um, and my wife is fully supportive of it, that I'm going to need to teach our son, and we're also going to have to teach our daughter about how, what's appropriate, what's not, and also how to get what you want. Because for you, I'm going to assume that it's the same for you. You correct me if I'm wrong. But for me, no one from fucking 12 to 22, I didn't have anyone in a position to tell me, hey, man, girls like to be approached just as much as you would like to be approached. If you see a girl over there that you think is pretty, the next thought is, well, I, it'd be nice if she wanted to talk to me. She's probably thinking the same thing about you. So you need to be willing to put yourself in her position and go, well, maybe I should just go over and say hi. But instead we get into this thing of like, if I go over and say hi, she's going to reject me. She's going to go, you're disgusting. I can't believe you think I would be with someone like you. Or you think that pickup line is going to work? 
or any myriad of versions of rejection instead of thinking, well, she's probably not coming over here because she's probably thinking the same fucking thing. And no one tells you, at least no one in my position, that really is the conversation that a father should have with a son and say, oh, there's this really cute girl at school. And you have to go, okay, listen, man, there's a, there's a 50, 50 chance. She's thinking the same thing about you. So why don't you just go over there and lay it down? Hey, what's up? I like your dress. You look really pretty today. Fucking anything. And then if she'll, you'll know in 10 seconds, if she says, oh, thanks, I like your hat, you're good to go. And if she says, uh, excuse me, I'm busy, then you know, okay, cool. She's not interested. And then you move on. That one lesson would save people like you and me a lifetime of fucking yeah. shit. Yeah. No, that's true. No, and it's like, I, I actually, I have, I have two stories. Uh, where One is uh, with my wife where she would ask me, Okay, because like we'll like flip through old pictures or something, and she's like, "So, w would I be somebody that you would come hit on at a bar?" And I was like, "No." And the first time I said it, she's like, "What?" Yeah, I go, yeah, because course. I never did. I'm like, "That's yeah. not anything that would click in my brain." I mean, the, by the time I I would actually go talk to somebody, I was so fucking wasted. I was the obnoxious yeah. idiot that they, they get yeah. the fuck away from me. Yeah. Um, but then uh, rewinding to the Friday when we all did this hangout and. Uh, my wife and I first showed up and as, as we walk in, there's a table that's maybe 15 feet in front of us. And there right. was a, and, and first of all, I didn't really announce this all that big. I did put it on my social media, but I didn't really like, Hey, come hang out. Yada, yada, yada. I was like, oh, if people yeah, yeah. see it, they'll come see it. And I, like, I brought it up to yeah. people who I know would probably show up and I'm grateful that they showed up. It was good hanging out with them. And, as as we walk in, there's a girl who's facing us at this table and she starts going like this. And so my wife immediately is like, oh, and she starts to wave. She was talking to the dude that was standing behind <laughs> my wife. All of a sudden, the guy walks by and he goes over to the table and my wife spins around. She goes, oh, my God, I thought they were talking to me. Oh, God. And I'm like, and you walked over? And she goes, I started to. <laughs> <laughs> oh my and it's moments man it's moments like that like her reaction to it she wasn't upset she wasn't bothered by it she thought it was funny i'm sure she was a little yeah. embarrassed by it but the reaction the way yeah. she took it the way she laughed at it it's those moments i'm like I, like that where i'm like yeah like that's that's why you're my wife like i chose that's right funny because my wife would have reacted completely different yeah? she probably would have she probably would have been like oh i'm not sure she probably would have done a check behind in reality she would have been like i'm not i don't know her maybe it's something to do with the thing we're going to do but if she had walked up and put her foot in her mouth the react immediately afterwards she would have just walked out back to me it would have been one word it would, shut the fuck up shut up just don't fucking say anything. Shut up. Just, <laughs> she wouldn't walk back. She would have. She would have had red face. She'd be looking at the ground. She'd be like, "Just shut the fuck up. Don't fucking say anything." Well, because the thing is, like, because she'd when be so embarrassed. It wouldn't be like she. Yeah, she doesn't handle that shit. She doesn't get herself in those positions as easily. But no, when if she gets embarrassed, in, she's like, "Just shut up." Yeah, when we walked in, like my wife was asking me, she's like, "So who is going to show up? Is anybody going to show up?" And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure a few people were like, I knew Twitchy was going to show up and uh, I, Nightmare was going to show up. Yeah. And and um, I was assuming some other people were, too. And the problem was, I don't really know what anybody looked like because right. all the that interactions were online. I had seen pictures, but it's usually on this tiny little thumbnail on an account. And I'm like, I don't know yeah. what these people look like. So yeah. thankfully, Nightmare's rocking her fucking her cross-eyed bear yeah. shirt. So I was like, ah, yeah. like I know that. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. But no, it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was a good hangout. It's definitely something I'm gonna, I want to do again, and um, I think it'll be a lot of fun if we do like a big get together hangout in El Paso. Um, you know, when you're in town, when we're when you're here, that would be to awesome. Check out Rage Against the Machine. It's gonna be fun, man. Yeah. You know what's funny? I actually was gonna tell you. Um, I didn't understand why they canceled their show. I looked it up after I found out. Do you know why? He um he his Achilles tendon, I think it's his Achilles tendon. You oh. know, not a big, but basically he fucked up his leg. Yeah. So he's on stage and there's a video of it where he's doing his thing, he's jumping around, he's fucking he- going crazy, and then suddenly he just stops and he sort of walks over to the side speaker, and they had to stop the show for twenty minutes, and then he finished the show sitting down. Um, and then should have got, you know, gotten that it- uh, the throne from Dave Grohl. Yeah, when he broke no, his he, fucking um, leg. But they, um, the problem is that if you rip a tendon and you don't get it taken care of and get off it, you're you're going to do permanent damage. So he did a couple of shows and then they had to say, look, we got to fucking cancel more shows. So I reached out to Tom when I realized and I was like, oh, it wasn't a fucking internal band problem. It wasn't a fucking drug thing. It's like, oh, man, it's just it just sucks. Oh, That's yeah, just so injury. fucking because they've already had to cancel two years in a row. And then now they're ready to rock and this happens. And I just hit him up and I'm like, dude, you know, fucking, I'm just so sorry that I, I know that must be driving you insane. I said, looking forward to seeing you in El Paso. I'll be there with bells on representing whenever it comes up. But I just sent him a message like, dude, that's just, that's just got to suck, you know, sending out fucking just sympathy. Just like, dude, if that was me, I'd fucking hate it. Nothing you can do. And he wrote back. He was like, yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. So it wasn't. Yeah, just, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Come hang out backstage. No, not yet. No, not yet. But we'll see. Does it sound desperate, Tom? If you ever watch this, if if you watch this post post the show, he's not. Yeah, man, we calculatedly gonna, tried to. He's not going to watch an episode on Limp Biscuit. No, you're absolutely right. He would never watch the Limp episode. You're right. He <laughs> might watch the one we do on Rage Against. I'm like totally was like this is never going to be. We could say anything about Tom Morello and he'll never fucking see it. This is nah, the one we're, gonna, we're in the shade. That's one that I'm planning on covering. We'll do the uh, Rage Against the Machine episode right when they're coming to town, so we can have yeah that for thing sure. We'll make a whole roll, like, and then again, what we'll so. end up doing as well is we'll do a. Um, I think we'll like I, I planned on doing a live taping of an episode and i figured what we would do is we could do the live taping at like a bar or something where it can be quiet enough to where we can actually do the recording and maybe get some fan interaction like if we have a question or something somebody wants to come up on a microphone um but it would be more of like a remix episode it wouldn't be an episode about a particular band and or festival so because i thought about doing it on rage against the machine but i was like nah, i really want to you know what we could always do man in the can, we could do it we could do it the day before or the day after the show and i'll just tell him we're doing it and i'll just be like yo we're doing this thing if you want to stop by stop by we're going to be talking about your band we're going to be doing the whole thing if you want to come by drinks on us see what happens fucking a man all right. Well, that's, we, we should so, wrap um, this up. Yeah. And then so coming up, we'll get to the uh, the old Limp Biscuit chocolate starfish in the hot yard flavored water. And chocolate starfish. Yeah, I actually. So, yeah, that was the thing that I didn't get around to saying in the in the episode. Uh, I was obsessed with Limp Biscuit. I was seeing a high school counselor because my godfather had cancer at the time and I was going through some shit. So I was going to see this um, high school counselor. She was very young for a high school counselor. They really shouldn't have put... Um, they shouldn't have put a young, pretty high school counselor. She was like 22 or something with a 17 year old, 17 year old kids that are like, I've got issues. Um, and so I, 
I nearly accidentally got her fired because I had a mad crush on her. And one time I was drunk out of my mind after my godfather had passed. And it was like the end of the year. And I was just cold calling people like I'm drunk at home, fucking bleh. And I called one of my teachers and they were having a teacher's party. They were having like, and I think it was Christmas. And I was like, Merry Christmas, just calling everyone. Blind drunk, don't even remember making the call. Apparently on the call, I said that my counselor and I had fucked. And, and they were like, oh, he's drunk, he's stupid, uh, you know, whatever. They knew, they knew me, they knew her, they knew it was bullshit. But the problem was that because they were at a teacher's party, one of the other teachers that didn't know either of us overheard it and then reported it the next week and was like, one of the students said that they're, mm-hmm. And then I got pulled in with the principal and, and all, all the people in power with this Nadine. I'm sorry. I remember <laughs> her name was Nadine. And they literally were like, is this true? And I had to answer for it. And she, and she was so cool about it. She turned to me and she was like, you, you, you got to understand whatever you say, they will, they have to believe they have an obligation to you. So what I say is irrelevant. I have to be here as a witness. You ha tell them the truth. Tell them whatever you want to say. And I was like, and I was mortified. I'm like, I just was like, because number one, you're caught out with your foot in your mouth, but also you're like are publicly admitting, I've got a mad crush on my counselor. I'm 17 and I'm fucking out of it. And I was like, no, it was a lie. I was really drunk. I just made it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, so she did not get fired. She did not get fired, oh. but uh, but but she but it went on her record that it was it was a thing that happened, and it fucked her. It it, it was a hassle for her. It didn't. I don't think it destroyed her career, but it was a thing that came up. You know, and um, why don't you write a song? No, about it was that? a problem. No, I, no, I think I did actually write a but, fucking um, write a fucking apology song. Sorry, Nate. But the funny thing is, one of the things that clicked me over to being like, oh, maybe. Maybe this is like a sexual relationship because you're 17. You've got no idea what fucking is real and what isn't, especially when you're dealing with death. And she, and I was like chocolate starfish in the hot dog flavored water. I'm like, it's a great new record. I fucking love it. There's this song. There's that song. I don't know what the title means. And she was like, oh, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a funny thing. And I'm like, you know what it means? Tell me what it means. Like, cause I'm what all about it. What did she tell you that it means? She said it was like about, um, fucking anal sex and then what comes out afterwards no and like and i was like oh that's weird chocolate starfish no. we'll she was like, to, yeah we'll chocolate cover starfish that. is that thing we'll cover so the like, title and what and 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 how they landed on that title in in the next yeah episode. so that was but it's not, but that, it's not that, butt stuff <laughs> no but that's the thing the chocolate starfish she was like yeah it's butt stuff and i was like well, oh that, and because then yeah. that put sex in my brain i was like oh and then i fucking ran with it god damn man yeah Fucking dude when you you do dumb shit when you're 16 this is why it's important to have a parental advisor that says things like here's how you should and shouldn't talk to girls yeah because if you don't know you'll just say the dumbest shit <laughs> sounds about right that's a good all place right, we to stop wrap up. <laughs> yeah. all right so yeah we'll just uh say goodbye on this one say goodbye shim goodbye shim